Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. I hope everybody had a great weekend and enjoyed uh, the rain that we had here in Southern California. Um, hip, hip, hooray for some weather. The hills are starting to get green and it's super pretty out there. Um, all right, I'm a little bit on fire today. Uh, I'm going to talk about how do you know you're in labor, okay? Big topic for everybody, whether you've had a baby or uh, you've not had a baby and it's your first time. Everyone wonders, like, is this it? How will I know? Um, how will I know? Like, there, there are so many questions that we get and um, phone calls that we get because we, we instruct our moms here at the Santa Clarita Birth Center to call when you think you're in labor. And then we, we discuss this prenatally, especially a lot at the very end, starting at about 36 weeks. We talk a lot about how to time contractions, how frequently should they be coming, how long should they be lasting, what's really going on. And um, especially for a first-time mom, it's such an unknown that um, we have to talk a lot of moms off the ledge kind of in early labor. So what I want to let you all know is, in general, everything I'm saying is in general, of course we have exceptions to the rule, but in general, labor is huge. It is not subtle. So if you're having what you think might be a contraction and you go, I don't know, I think maybe, I'm not sure, could that have been a contraction? The answer is no. If you have to wonder if it's a contraction, I guarantee you, it, if it was, it doesn't matter because it's, it's not nearly strong enough. Um, we don't see women walking down the street and having babies. We don't see women pulling, o pulling over on the freeway having babies. We don't go into work and your coworker goes, oh my gosh, I'm in labor, and then the baby comes out, right? We don't see it in real life. We see that in the movies all the time. Um, my water broke, ah, and then the baby falls out, right? In the courtroom or in the parking lot or somewhere ridiculous. Um, yes, there are exceptions to the rules. So I know that some of you out there maybe have had precipitous deliveries we had one case, and it was an awesome story, and I don't know if that mom will participate in this conversation here, maybe share her story, but she did have one big contraction, and then the baby came out, and it was really unique, and she didn't do it prior in her other pregnancies, and I don't know that she's done it since then, but yeah, sometimes you can have a precipitous delivery. 99% of the time, first babies, and subsequent babies, but they don't just fall out. There is some warning. Second babies, we don't have as much time, and I'm sure some of our second-time moms out there will be happy to join in in this conversation and talk about how you had the baby in the bathtub or on the bathroom floor, or um, we've never had a baby in the car, as far as I can recall, um, but we have had babies where we're talking on the phone and I say, okay, I'm on my way, or it's time to come, and then the dad or the partner calls and says, oh my gosh, the baby, I can see the baby's head, oh my gosh, the baby's coming. That, of all the babies that's ever happened, um, in, in our experience, the ones that that happens to are second time moms. Second time moms happen to be like, but they're warming up, they're warming up, they're warming up. And when I mean warming up, I don't mean seven to ten minutes apart in your contractions. I mean, they're like every five minutes and you've been doing this and it's like, ooh, these are strong. I'm in labor now. 
right? Okay, sounds like game on. It sounds like either it's time to come to the birth center or it's time for us to come out to you. And then it shifts really fast. The bag of water breaks and the baby comes out. You know, that can happen with a second time mom. But it doesn't come without warning, right? Most of the time. Um, for first time moms, it takes a really, 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 really long time to get that cervix to open. So I brought all kinds of props today to our Midwife Monday because props are super fun. And I think I've shared some of these props before. So this is our dilation wheel, which is absolutely beautiful and was a gift from a client. And I cherish it and I think it's fantastic. This is our slightly creepy baby that fits through our very wonky and wobbly pelvis because all women when they're ready to have a baby have a wonky wobbly pelvis and so I have these props okay so the cervix this is one centimeter this is ten centimeters ten centimeters is when this baby whoop, if it were in a proper position head down chin to chest baby's back to mama's belly in a fetal position hands by the heart, right? Optimal fetal position coming into the pelvis. When that baby's in that optimal fetal position, that head can fit nicely. Look at that. It can fit nicely through the cervix. When that baby is face up, suboptimal, posterior, sunny side up, it's much harder. See that? Way harder to get through that cervix takes a whole lot longer to get that cervix to dilate when that head is in a funky position, right? So early labor for a baby that is malpresented can take a day, 24, 48 hours, 72 hours even. It's called prodromal labor pattern. And that's when contractions are five minutes apart or more. They're kind of irregular, five minutes, seven minutes, two minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes, two minutes, right? All over the map. Tends to be a baby that is malpositioned. And it's just trying to, trying to get into the pelvis is really what's going on. So my other problem, okay? So we got this baby. All right, we have a pelvis. We have a cervix. The cervix is all the way up here. I think that's about right. The cervix is, you know, you got to go in the vagina to feel the cervix, which is all the way up here, where I could actually feel your tailbone. If I do a vaginal exam with my fingers, I can feel these bony spines, and that's called your ischialial spines. And then this pelvis is missing its little coccyx, but it has a little coccyx bone right here. And when I do a vaginal exam, I could feel these bones. It's kind of weird, right, from your perspective. Not from my perspective, because I do it all the time and not weird for me, but we can assess, that's called pelvimetry, we can assess the width of the pelvis, we can assess the pubic bone, we can do all kinds of assessments with just two little fingers. And the cervix is all the way up here. So this is the cervix, all the way up here. So that, is this working for everybody? Because it's kind of working for me. So we have the cervix up here, and the baby has to come through the cervix, Right? At some point, it's got to apply to the cervix, and that cervix has got to, it's got to open. And then, once it gets all the way to 10, the, the back of the head, the crown, is what presents first. That's an optimal position. 
So when that crown is well applied to the cervix, you see how it fits in that circle really nice? It pushes on that and it helps the cervix open and open and open and open. And then it's like, whoa, it could come through. It's like putting on a turtleneck sweater, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm getting my head through, I'm getting my head through. And then it finally, boop, it pops through. And then, my sound effects. Once it gets through the cervix, it then can start coming through the pelvis, right? And this is called the inlet, and this is called the outlet. And so as it comes into the inlet, so we have lots of moms, especially second, third, subsequent moms, they come in and they're like, oh, the baby's so low, I've been contracting all night, I'm every, you know, 10 minutes, and I'm having all this uterine activity, and the baby's so low. And I can feel from the outside of their body, right? We do what's called the Leopold's and we palpate, we touch with our hands on the outside of the body to see, oh, here's the head, here's the butt, here's the back. And a lot of these moms will come in and say, oh my gosh, I've had contractions all weekend and um, this baby is so low, I feel like the baby's gonna fall out. And then, I need like a lot of hands. And then they come in and I palpate them and I can feel the head go bonk, a bonk, a bonk, a bonk, a bonk above the pubic bone. And I'm like, that baby's not even engaged in the pelvis yet, my friend. So the point of that is when you're standing, I'm kind of all over the map here because I'm a little bit on fire. And I have somebody in the other room who's in labor, so I'm slightly distracted. But, okay, so we have this baby that's bopping around up here. It's trying to get in the pelvis, which is going to cause some uterine activity, not labor, okay? Just because the uterus has a point of view about what's going on, it can have some contractions, it's warming up, you're gonna have sensation that's not labor. Not all uterine feelings are labor. The definition of labor is cervical dilation, continued cervical dilation. So a lot of times, just because we have a human being inside of our bodies, with all this amniotic fluid and a placenta, increased blood flow, there's a lot of pressure on our whole bottom, right? The labia, the whole vulva area is just heavy. And it feels like this baby's coming into the pelvis when maybe it's not even coming into the pelvis. So you need big, long, strong contractions that are four minutes apart from beginning to beginning, lasting a good minute for at least one hour before we even think you're in active labor. And early labor is zero closed to one, two, three, four, five, six, to six centimeters, okay? That's early labor. Active labor, now there's gonna be some kind of rhythm, most likely, to this labor pattern when you go from six centimeters to 10 centimeters. We expect there to be progression. This is what we determine to be, in our world, labor. Zero to six centimeters in our world, we don't consider this really labor. It's early labor. This can go on for a while. This can happen fast. Depends on which number of baby. Mostly it depends on the position of this baby in the pelvis. But once you hit six and we have a baby that is head down, chin to chest, baby's back to mama's belly or on the left side of your body, that's an optimal fetal position, and that baby can fit really well in the pelvis and then make a rotation and come through. But sometimes for subsequent moms, first-time moms, 
this baby is on the right side or up and it just the uterus is trying to figure out like everybody's trying to work together this baby's trying to get its head in and your uterus is having some contractions having a point of view about this and you'll be like oh be crampy menstrual crampy and you could be menstrual crampy for days as this baby is trying to work its way into the pelvis but once the key is in the lock and the head becomes well applied to the cervix then the labor is going to take off. You see how nice that is? That's like really kind of fantastic right there. That's a beautiful presentation. Um, and then the labor is going to take off. And now you're going to be contracting. Like I said, four minutes apart, lasting a minute. They've been that way for a minute. And there is no question what's going on in your body because you, it takes every ounce of you just to remember to breathe. Labor is all-consuming. If it wasn't, then we would be dropping our babies on the street. And that wouldn't be good. That is not really an efficient way to have a baby. Um, you don't want to have a baby while you're walking to the park, or you're walking your kid to school, or you're driving your toddler to a play date. Like, that would just be terrible. It would traumatize everybody, probably. So the body is very smart. Um, the design is perfect. That cervical, the cervix is a muscle, and it's about four centimeters long. It's thick. It points towards your tailbone. So in order for the baby to come out of the cervix, it has to shorten. That cervix has to get pulled up into the body of the uterus. It has to pivot forward. And just that shortening and the pivoting forward of the cervix, that's uterine activity, right? The uterus has to contract, but it doesn't mean it's in labor yet. It's just warming up. So my advice, take it or leave it, is you are never as far along as you think you are in labor. Have no anticipation. Have no expectation. Because if you think, okay, I'm going to start timing these. I'm going to start timing. I think, I think tonight's the night. And, you, and you're up all night long timing contractions that are more than five minutes apart. You've just exhausted yourself. You can't make labor happen, okay? Eat all the pineapple you want. Eat all that eggplant you want, even when you don't like it. Go to that coyote restaurant here in L.A. and, and have that salad dressing all day long, friend. You could walk yourself until you completely lock up your hips and you're like having leg spasms because you've exhausted yourself. You're having sex with your partner like nobody's business because you're like, I'm getting this baby out. You're drinking raspberry leaf tea. You're taking evening primrose oil. You are, um, what are the other big things you do to make a baby come out? Feel free to comment on here what you did that you think made your baby come out. But it wasn't the one cup of red raspberry leaf tea. Red raspberry leaf tea is a great uterine toner. It's helpful, but a cup of that tea isn't going to put you in labor. The one evening primrose capsule that you took, that was 500 milligrams, isn't going to put you in labor. Um, the walk around the block, the sex that you're doing, enjoy it. I think it's fantastic, but it's, you know, it's helpful, um, but it's not going to be the thing that puts you in labor. You're going to go into labor at the moment. You need to go into labor when the baby's fully grown, right? Um, so what we do by all this, like trying to get the baby out business, is you actually increase your adrenaline which inhibits oxytocin. 
Oxytocin is the hormone that causes you to contract. Um, so all this anxiety about, I got to get the baby out, I got to get the baby out, I got to get the baby out, uh, is really helpful. Um, castor oil sometimes is helpful, um, but only do that under supervision of your care provider who says, yeah, that cervix is feeling really good, your past, your dates, your 41 weeks, your 41 and two, four, five, you know, you're getting close to that 42 week mark. Yeah, we could try some castor oil. And here at the birth center, we have a little special um, recipe that we think works quite nicely. Um, and it's just a little bit of castor oil. It is not a boatload of castor oil. So it doesn't cause any gastric upset. It doesn't cause vomiting, but it tends to help the babies come out. But we don't do that until you're like 41 weeks and five days. And assuming up to that point, everything has been fine with your baby, right? So the biggest piece of advice for all you people out there waiting to go into labor is the baby will come at the perfect time. The baby will come when the baby is in optimal fetal position and that head is down, the chin is the chest, and the baby's back to your belly. And then um, your labor will be big and you won't miss it. You won't have to guess if it's labor or not. It takes every bit of your energy. Um, you can't talk in between contractions. You're no longer in the frontal lobe of your brain. You're in the primal cortex of your brain, so you can't really answer um, simple questions, right? That's how when we talk to someone on the phone, I'll say, put, put the laboring person on the phone. I'll ask some questions. What did you have for breakfast? And the partner often wants to answer me. And I say, I don't really care what the answer is. I'm trying to assess if the laboring person can answer me. Does she have the cognitive, do they have the cognitive ability to answer my question? Um, I don't care that you had a bowl of cereal for breakfast. I want to know if you can answer the question. Once you go, oh, what did I have? I don't know. I, I ate. Um, what was the question? Oh, that sounds pretty good. That, that's a good, I can tell that that mom is getting into the frame of mind where she's a, getting close to having a baby. But if you can answer the questions and you're still doing basic tasks around the house, you might be uncomfortable, you might be tired, you might be emotional, you might have lots of bowel movements, you might be hot and cold. Those are all signs that you're getting closer, but it's not labor. So you're never as far along as you think you are, so that when the baby comes out, you say, oh my gosh, that was so awesome, I didn't even think I was that far along. That's a great way to go into your labor versus I was in labor for 72 hours and it was so hard. Well, you really weren't in labor for 72 hours. Your uterus, like I said, had a point of view, was trying to figure out what to do, but you were probably in labor six centimeters or more for about six to 12 hours, right? Depending on which number of eating. Um, so there you go. That's my two cents for today because it's been coming up a lot. We've had a lot of second-time moms come in thinking they were in labor and sending them home and then coming back again and sending them home and then coming back again and then it's still being about six hours before they have the baby. That's normal and it happens. So again, it's big, big, big stuff. You're not going to miss it. Um, next Monday, we're going to talk about water breaking and I think I'm going to set up a little station and show you what it looks like when your water breaks for most of the people. It's not a little trickle of fluid down your leg. I'm gonna tell you, it's like gush. I'm gonna take a big glass, I'm gonna fill it up with water, I'm gonna pour it into a chucks pad, and then that's what happens 
all all throughout your labor until the baby's born. It's not most of the time it's not just a trickle. For some it is. It depends on how much fluid is in there. It depends on how big the baby is, how low the baby is in your pelvis. Um, there's a variety of things that can influence how much water comes out. But in general, we'll talk about this next week, it is a big deal. It's not, again, it's not subtle. So I hope that was helpful. I was a little all over the place. Um, but the take-home points from today are labor is really, 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 really big. You won't miss it. If you're questioning whether you're in labor or not, you're not. Stop timing them. If you're like, I think I am, you're not. Ignore it. If whatever you're feeling is more than five minutes, of, is five minutes apart or more, stop timing them. Doesn't matter, right? You will know. It will stop you in your tracks. You won't be able to breathe. They'll be four minutes apart or three to four minutes apart, right? From beginning to beginning, lasting a minute. Got to be that way for at least an hour, right? Now we got something going on. Okay, I hope that's helpful. If you have any questions, you want to please uh, put your comments below on um, how did you know labor started? How long did your labor go? Um, those moms that for first time babies when you thought you were in labor to when you really were in labor, if you can reflect back and go, oh yeah, I remember when I thought that was labor. I know, silly me. Oh yeah, because when I really was in labor, now I know the difference. Or I thought my water broke, but then when my water did break, man, I could really tell the difference. I would love to hear your stories about that. Encouraging stories, please. We are called to encourage one another. We are not called to frighten each other and tell our horror stories, although it's important that we're all well informed, but um, we do have a really strong belief that um, we, are, we are sisters on this walk together and we encourage each other. So please share your, those encouraging stories and um, I hope you all have a great day and stay tuned because I think next week I'm going to be pouring some water around the birth center and, and uh, having some fun with that. Okay, have a great day everybody. Bye.